welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flamm. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I am Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. Before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, We want to say thank you to our patrons who support the show on Patreon, including Andrew, Jan, Jason, Mike, Dave, Ethan, Maddie, Libby, Sarah, Patricia, and Ben. If you want to support the show and uh, get first access when we do first accessy things, uh, you can join us on Patreon by going to justonemorepodcast.com and clicking become a patron at the top of the page. Or if you're already in the Patreon world, we're patreon.com slash justonemorepodcast. Um, So today we're continuing our pregnancy series. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, that's fine, but that also explains why we're starting with the third trimester today. (laughs) (laughs) It is a series. Because it's in a series. (laughs) Um, and, uh, the third trimester comes after the second, (laughs) usually, um, and, uh, it is, these, people use different cutoffs for the weeks, but it's basically week 28 until you give birth, or if you're thinking in terms of months, it's the seventh through ninth month of a pregnancy. Um, and, uh, that's where I'm at right now. So the other two we recorded after I'd already experienced those trimesters, (laughs) Yeah, so I love how we are doing this at the start of your third trimester. It's like what to expect when you are expecting your third trimester yes. for Joanna. For me personally. My mom was like, how are you going to do it? You haven't had it yet. And I was like, I'll do research, mom. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so during the third trimester, um, the uh, baby or the fetus grows a lot. It grows from around two and a half pounds and 16 inches long in the 28th week to between six and nine pounds and 19 to 22 inches long in week 40. So that's like tripling in weight for the fetus. Uh, So that's a lot. I walked in today and Daphne was like, whoa. Oh my God. Yeah. I saw Joanna and my jaw just hit the ground. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, and you look so cute. I do look like I swallowed a basketball. Yeah, and that's what's the most adorable thing. Like, I can't <laughs> stop looking at your basketball. Me, my little basketball. It's so cute. Guys, I can't wait for you to see Joanna. Maybe we'll post <laughs> a photo. Yeah, I'll post a photo. On Instagram? I haven't posted one yet, so I'll post one. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, so a lot of stuff is happening in this sort of last phase of fetal development Um, your baby is transforming cartilage into bone. Um, so calcium, super important because you're making bones. Um, the, I think we talked in a previous one about how the baby's skin before this point is like kind of opaque and weird because there isn't like enough body fat, like plumping it up. So you have like a a see-through wrinkly baby in there. Um, but this is the trimester where, um, the skin becomes opaque and they grow more fat, and uh, a lot of the sort of, like, weird alien fetus stuff, like the waxy substance substance on the skin and the hairy coat that keeps the baby warm, that stuff starts to go away. So you get closer to the image of a baby that we all picture mm-hmm. coming out. Um, 
their digestive system is developing in the final weeks of pregnancy. Um, meconium, which is the baby's first poop. So cute. Um, <laughs> it starts to build up in the baby's intestines. Aww. That's really cute. <laughs> That's Aww. why, like, they when you read stuff about, like, your first couple days with your newborn, they talk about how, like, the first poops are, like, real dark and weird looking. Mm. And it's because it's basically, like, um, the stuff that's been building up inside of your system. Yeah, all throughout the third Right, right, right. Wow. Um, the touch receptors will be fully developed around weeks 29 or 30. Um, and around week 31, the baby starts getting signals from all five senses. They can perceive the difference between light and dark, I guess, like through your belly, which is crazy. They can taste what you eat. They can hear the sound of your voice. Things have been telling me that my baby can hear the sound of my voice for like months. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure. But like, what is it? I don't know. I, I'm very, <laughs> I understand that everyone's like, talk to your baby and that there can be good reasons to do that just for like bonding for yourself. But I'm like, does my baby know whether I'm talking to it or I'm talking to you, Daphne? I don't know. Oh, that's a good, that's probably a good not. Right? I wonder if your baby can sense where you are diverting your energy. Like if you're like you're like looking at me right now, you're like talking cosmic to me. baby. So cosmic <laughs> baby. Well, I was saying to someone that like it's funny because right now when I think about the baby that is inside me, I think of them as like all knowing and all perceiving. But like the instant it comes out, it's going to be dumb as a rock because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't know anything. Because it doesn't know anything now, right. but because it's an idea, I like imbue it with all this like knowledge and yeah. wisdom. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. I'm sure there is research out there uh, about, like, talking to your baby, singing to your baby, reading to your baby, your baby siblings talking to your baby. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there is research out there. I have not read it, nor have I seen it. But if it's psychosomatic and if it makes you feel better. Right. Yeah. Right? Why not? I mean, yeah. it doesn't hurt. Well, I think there is a lot of evidence that once the baby is born, having, like, interactive talk mm -hmm. to them is really important to their development. Yeah. So post on our Facebook page and let right. us know. Give us a comment about what you what your opinion is on singing to the baby. Well, you don't need to be, like, putting headphones on your tummy and playing the Mozart so that they'll be a little genius. Do people do that? Oh, oh my God, Daphne, it's a total thing. This is a whole <laughs> separate world of my it's existence. A, yes. I know. Yuppie cliche. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know of baby Mozart. Yes. I know that's a thing from when I mm -hmm. babysat like 18 years ago. Um, I just read some stuff about this and it said... The headphones on your... On your belly. First of all, you don't need to do that. It might actually be too loud yeah, for your baby. Yeah, right. Because um, your, your amniotic fluid and stuff is actually a pretty good conductor of sound. Um, and uh, classical music... There's, there was, like, one tiny study that suggested that classical music had certain benefits. Um, and, like, classical music is great just, like, as a form of music. But, like, you don't have to be indoctrinating your child with Mozart. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Listen so to what you they, like. Do they put... Do they make special headphones that go over your belly? Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked. But okay, probably. If there's sure. something they can sell you when, when you're pregnant, they make it. Seriously. <laughs> pregnant, getting married, or... Diets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The three pillars of womanhood. <laughs> oh, making a business around everything. That's right. Um, okay. So your baby's brain is also growing super fast, um, and uh, it's starting to do stuff like um, making the baby blink, uh, dreaming, apparently the baby dreams already, 
um, and regulates its own body temperature. Um, and then around week 34, the baby starts to turn head down, ideally, mm -hmm. to prepare for delivery. Um, so that's what's going on with fetus slash baby mm. hanging out in there. Um, but now let's get down to real breast tax. What's <laughs> happening to me? <laughs> what am I feeling? What are you feeling in this present moment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, my, like, back uh, tiredness that has um, been with me since basically the beginning of the second trimester still exists. Um, I've found it pretty manageable, but like towards the end of the day, especially if I've been sitting a lot, I get tired um, and sort of tight in my upper back, and then I sleep and it relaxes, and then I go through it all again. Um, <laughs> like Groundhog's Day. Exactly. <laughs> Pregnancy kind of is Groundhog Day, except you get larger and larger. And then <laughs> eventually it ends, I hear. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, well... Let's see which of these I have heard. So abdominal achiness, it says, because um, like you're stretching so much because the baby's getting so much bigger. You're getting a lot bigger, um, and your um, ligaments, your round ligaments is what they're called, are stretching a lot to accommodate your body shape changing. And it says you may feel cramps or sharp pain. And it's like there's also nothing you can do. Hooray. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I felt that specifically. I have sort of felt like weird, random abdominal stuff sometimes that happens. Um, fatigue, giant surprise. Um, heartburn, because your uterus is pushing on your stomach. <laughs> so that's super fun. Um, talk to your doctor if you're having heartburn that's, like, getting in the way of your life because there's some stuff you can take, but there's also some stuff you're not supposed to take. Mm -hmm. Did um, you have heartburn during the second trimester? Did we talk about this? I don't think so, really. Yeah. Um, I, I had, like, really like a little bit of reflux, but not too bad. Okay, good. Um, uh, Braxton Hicks contractions. So this, they think, is your body's way of preparing for labor, which is sort of like lighter, irregular practice contractions. I did not realize I was having these because I was picturing them being more substantial. Have but you felt them? Yes. Well, I think so. So what I have felt is sort of just, like, and this is how, like, in denial you can be when you're pregnant. I was like, I'm definitely not having pra Braxton Hicks contractions. It's just sometimes I'll feel, like, a tightening in my, <laughs> in my abdomen that's, like, weird and seems to not be related to anything. Like, yeah, tightening is it. what contractions are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it's been very light. The stuff that I read said that first-time moms often don't even know that they're having them. Because mm -hmm. it does just sort of, for me, just feel sort of like a... Um, yeah, getting tighter for a minute and then loosening up. Um, varicose veins would be hard for me to know because I have had them already, so hard to know if I've gotten more. Um, but it's because you have a lot of extra blood. Um, it says, the good news, if you didn't have them before pregnancy, they'll likely disappear after you deliver. The bad news, I'm probably stuck with them forever because <laughs> my skin is the color of paper. Um, stretch marks, um, stretch marks are usually genetic, like you get them or you don't, or like where you get them or how you get them. There's not that much you can do about it. You can like moisturize and stuff, but don't worry too much about them because you can't really control it. Yeah. Um, back aches for sure. Um, your, your joints and stuff loosen as you get further into your pregnancy. I assume to like make 
labor easier. Yeah. So that sometimes can cause back pain, pardon me, back pain and stuff. Um, crazy dreams, uh, because of pregnancy hormones. I had a weird one last night about an escape room. Oh no! Yeah, that's so. It was like really uh, violent too. Yeah, weird. Well, there has been some drama going on with escape with escape rooms. rooms. Not yeah. safe, guys. They're not safe. Talk to your doctor before doing yeah. an escape room if you yeah. want to go down a weird rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> escape room dangers. Um, I like this. Uh, oh, I should say um, we're using or I'm using a bunch uh, like a list of symptoms from uh, whattoexpect.com. Mm-hmm. I'll link to it in the in the show notes. Um, it says clumsiness. it's a symptom again how would I know um but like it makes sense your your center of gravity is changing and like changing really fast because your size is changing a lot so I'm trying to be really conscious of like stuff I used to do balancing I try to sit down like putting on my pants and also if you think about your alignment is different so even if you were even if you were even if you are a coordinated person well, and I, and using you as an example, you grew up dancing, always been athletic, you have, you, you, fitness has been a part of your life for a long time, you know you're right from your left, like you are, a, a, generally, like a, a balanced, coordinated person. Um, Thank you. Anatomy is anatomy, <laughs> and your body is changing in a really fantastic and very quick way, and all, it's, all that's happening is your center of gravity is getting thrown off. Yeah. yeah. So putting on shoes and standing, it's just like, just sit down. You yeah. Know? Just like sit down. It's hard for me to remember, like the number of times I've started putting on pants and been like, I should sit down mm-hmm. when I'm like halfway into the pants. <laughs> it's a lot. So it takes a while to get used to. Um, and then the last two symptoms that are listed, super fun, um, lack of bladder control and leaky breasts. Um, <laughs> the bladder control thing is about all the like extra weight on your pelvic floor um, a lot of people talk about, like, if you sneeze, you pee yourself. Um, people have different experiences of this, but it's totally normal if it's happening to you. Um, Daphne's going to talk about some Kegel stuff later, um, which is a good way to help um, strengthen because if you your do pelvic pee floor. yourself, there's no judgment no, on our end. Yeah, I mean, we won't know. But it's helpful to be able to stop it. <laughs> when you starting. want to. Yeah. Um, and then leaking breasts, that's about your body warming up to breastfeed a baby. So that's uh, not a huge surprise. Um, uh, Are you excited to feel all of these things? So excited. <laughs> yep. Uh, equally excited for... Yeah, I was telling Daphne, it's weird. There are no good symptoms that get listed. <laughs> I know, right? Weird. Um, yeah, I feel like there were some good symptoms in... I feel like second trimester. Yeah, when they're like, your hair and skin is going to get, like, yeah, so nice. Yeah, um, Apparently that is also a lie. It can go either way. Like, yeah, I feel uh, like it, it's, it just depends on the individual's totally. hormones. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing about all of these symptoms is, like, um, every pregnancy is different, and every body that experiences pregnancy experiences it differently. So, like, there's a lot of those things that I have not experienced. There are things that aren't on that list that I have experienced, and I've Googled, and they'll be like, oh, that's also normal. Um, so, like, it's good to sort of know what, like, the general range of most common things is, but also know that, like, you're going to have some things that aren't on the list, some of the things on the list you're not going to experience, um, some things you'll, like, experience for a week and then not experience again, um, ever, ever. so, who knows, it's a weird time, your body's doing stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. So, that's what's going on with the pregnant person's body. 
11 weeks to go. Also, uh, you're probably freaking out about the fact that you're going to have a baby. <laughs> that too, yeah. I mean, the emotional. From the emotional. The emotional yeah, they don't aspect. mention any of the emotional stuff. Weird. Um, I think it starts to feel more real. Um, it has, for me at least, just like the more undeniable the shape of my body is. I think that's part of it. Um, do you find people reacting to you differently? Like, do people give you a subway seat if they see you? Um, walk onto the train. If they can tell, it's still like, it's funny. If you look at me from the side, it's so obvious that I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. But if you look at me from the front, it is still mm-hmm. hard to tell, especially yeah, with coats, coats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't so quite warmed up just yet. So yeah. understandable. But yeah. funnily enough, I feel like I get less weird looks now because it is clear. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was like a weird time in the second trimester where people would sort of like. Look is, at, is she or isn't yeah, she? Yeah, is she or isn't she? And then once it's obvious that I am, then, like, people are less weird about it. So mm. that's nice. They're just like, oh, she's a pregnant woman. This is a pregnant lady. You should um, offer her our seat. <laughs> right. Or look away so we don't have to offer her a seat. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah, you, you can stand. I can stand. Yeah. It's good for me. Yeah. Um, you, you are a very strong, empowered woman. Yeah. Whenever I'm, like, doing stairs at work and someone expresses sympathy, I'm like, look, my doctor says it's good for me, and if I do it here, I don't have to do it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about the doctor's appointments during the third trimester. Yes. Um, so during the third trimester is when, at least, I think, generally in the U.S., like I've said before, the schedule is different everywhere. But in the U.S., I think generally the third trimester is when you start going every two weeks to your doctor instead of every four weeks. Um, And then starting in your 36th week, so that's like a month before your due date, you go every week until you deliver. I was talking to my doctor about making those appointments, and I was like, should I make one for week 41? And she was like, yeah, I mean, it's easier to cancel than it is to do a last-minute appointment. But at a certain point, we're not going to let you get any more pregnant. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, That's so talk to your doctor about how far ahead they want you to book. I think this is another thing go- uh, good to talk about too. So in terms of your experience, like where it was you decided to deliver, like the hospital you chose, right. maybe your doctor. And- mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like that's so all set now, right? totally. Yeah. I mean, for me, you can change halfway through your pregnancy. There's no reason in terms of where to deliver. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like what, and usually that's related to what doctor you're seeing. Um, at least in New York, my sense is that like who you see as your doctor determines where you deliver. So some people sort of reverse engineer that if they like want to deliver at a specific hospital, they make sure they see a doctor who is associated with that hospital. For us, our options were somewhat limited because we get our insurance through the uh, Obamacare Exchange, or the ACA, mm-hmm. its official name. Um, and what does that stand for? Uh, Affordable Care Act. Okay, great. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, I've never abbreviated that in my head. <laughs> like, I, I know what that is, everyone. So. Don't worry. Daphne's, yeah. Daphne's on the up and up. I just surprised her. Um, and so... With our insurance, it's not accepted everywhere. It's accepted a lot of places, and we're generally very happy with it, but we have to be a little more conscious about where we go. Um, so even before I got pregnant, I specifically started seeing an OBGYN who took my insurance and who delivered at a hospital that also takes my insurance. Um, so we're... I'm going to... I'm going to talk more about this in a minute when we talk about classes and stuff, sure. but we have not yet toured the hospital. We're going to. So 
I'll probably have more to say about that another time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another ultrasound or sonogram in our future around week 32. Um, and there are tests you do. Um, if you haven't done the um, like uh, glucose test at the end of the second trimester, you'd do it at the beginning of the third. Um, and that's to test to make sure that you're um, processing sugar well, that you don't have gestational diabetes. Um, uh, I think there's also a group B strep test in there. I haven't done that yet. Um, and the closer that you get to delivery, the more stuff that they're going to check out to make sure that everything's going well and that you're in good shape to deliver. And that, um, if you're classified as high risk, I'm sure there's more stuff that they do. As of now, I'm not, thankfully. So I can't speak to that personally, but, um, and then you, the question is like, how do you know that labor's coming? <laughs> um, so how, how do we know? How do Joanna? we know? Um, so uh, by week thirty-six um, or around week thirty-six, your baby is likely to drop into lower into your pelvis um, to prepare for labor. Um, you may see um, like uh, what they call bloody show, which is basically like um, a, like a blood bloody mucus that comes out on when labor's on the way. Um, uh, and then there's contractions. Um, I think this is the kind of thing where people say, like, you know, when you're having contract contractions, I'm sure that's not always true. Um, but they're, they intensify the more you move around, the more they intensify. Whereas Bracton Hicks, when you move around, they get less intense. Um, People always think for movies and stuff about, like, your water breaks, and that's how you know. But turns out a lot of people don't have that experience. Some people's water do- doesn't break until they get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Some people's water never breaks. Um, so, uh... You know what I love about pregnancy? <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me, Daphne. That's a great sentence. <laughs> it gets to be so personalized and individual, how mm-hmm. every body wants to deliver, how every human totally. wants to deliver their child. They... Get to, or, or, or I should say, many people, and it's so wonderful that, and, and you know, people, we should be grateful uh, the fact that we do get these options, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know there are, we all know there are people out there who don't have options as to how they want their pregnancy to go. It's mm-hmm. like, do, do you want a doula? Do you want to do this in the hospital? Do you want to do this at home? Who do you want there? Like, we actually have options, and I think it's really cool. Seeing what everyone does. It's, mm-hmm. it's really different from person to person. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So um, something that, that, that gets talked about a lot as you're in your third trimester is your birth plan. Um, birth plan, yeah. And uh, I haven't done one yeah, yet. That's the word so. I was looking for, the birth plan. Yeah. <laughs> but it's basically about, like, um, what you hope to happen in uh, your yes. birth. Yeah, what you um, hope to happen. Including, like, where you want to deliver, who you want to be there, what interventions you do or don't want, including, like, medications or um, uh, episiotomy or various other things. Um, I think they're especially... And what's an episiotomy? So an episiotomy is a surgical cut made at the opening of the vagina during childbirth to aid in difficult delivery. Um, there's a... It's one of the things that, um, in, like, natural childbirth communities, there's a lot of... Um, uh, desire not to have an episiotomy. I mean, no one wants 
a surgical incision in their vagina if they can help it. On the other hand, I think there are situations in which it really is the right option. So that's something to talk to your doctor um, or your medical practitioner about because how they feel about it and how you feel about it, it would be great if those things were aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually what I was going to say about birth plans overall, which is I think especially for um, people of privilege, there's now so much um, personal responsibility put on pregnant people and their partners in terms of birth plan. Like you're expected to make all these decisions about exactly how you want things to go. And there's like pressure on you to make certain decisions based on sort of what like philosophy of birth you subscribe to in terms of like, are you going to um, uh, have an epidural or not have an epidural? And like, what does that mean for your baby and all this stuff? Um, and, like, choice is great, but it's also a burden. Um, and so it's been really helpful to me to get a variety of sources on birth plan-related stuff, to talk to my friends who have had kids in addition to reading books um, and stuff on the Internet, because birth plans and breastfeeding are two areas where I have found that if you get sort of a narrow slice of information you can get the impression that everyone does things a certain way. But if you widen your research, you will find that like people do things all sorts of ways and have good experiences. And so um, something that I've been trying to focus on for me is not getting into a place where I feel like I have to do things a certain way or I'm a bad mom. Or I have to do things a certain way or I'm not being responsible to my child. Um, like the drugs thing is a big one. Um, a lot of the stuff I read at first was like, you should really try to have a natural birth, which they define as, you know, having few interventions and not taking, uh, like, painkilling medications and stuff. Um, and there are a lot of claims about, like, what that means. Like, that's the only way to have, like, a good first breastfeeding experience and blah, blah, blah. And then I talked to some of my friends, and they were like, Take the drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And and I still don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I've also heard stories of people who thought it was going to go one way, and yeah. then they changed, uh, they changed Once they were having the experience. Once the experience was happening. Totally. In regards to so many different things. And I still don't know what I'm going to do, but I think I now feel like I'm in a place where I understand some of the options, I understand some of the concerns that are involved, and I'm, you know... Matt and I will sit down and talk about what we hope to happen, but also I'm mostly trying to stay in a place where I can react to what my experience is in the moment and make the decisions that are right for me at the time. Um, So, yeah, that's what I would say is also, like, trying to stay flexible because the most important thing is that you uh, you and your baby turn out healthy. Um, And, uh, yeah. That's the most important thing, I think. Um, not what someone else thinks your experience should be like. Um, so, Daphne, I've talked a lot. <laughs> now it's time for you to talk. Um, so, what do we need to be thinking about in terms of working out during the third trimester? So, working out during the third trimester. Working out, movement, what should we be doing, what should we not be doing, uh, and... What are some shifts and changes 
we need to make happen because your body is shifting and your body is changing. So by your third trimester, you just look a little different in the it's best true. way possible. Yeah, your center of gravity is different and you're carrying weight differently and there are things happening in your body now at a quicker pace. Um, if you take a photo of someone at the start of their third trimester and then the start of, or right before they deliver, it's still a big, like you still notice there is still a big jump. You have a long like, way to go. Yeah, I know, 11 weeks. 11 weeks to for, for the shifts and the growth to, to still happen. So the main principle is movement is still really good to do. We want to do physical activity because what that does is it keeps your body strong. It keeps your joints and your ligaments safe as they stretch and get looser. Another big thing is when we work on our own cardiovascular health and when we are moving and we are breathing and that's creating more circulation and more flow in our bodies, that actually strengthens your baby's heart. So that you sounds do this. good, I guess. <laughs> I know. Okay. I guess right. I'll work out. We'll move around. So the main differences are, and it will shift too from the start of your third trimester towards the very end of your third trimester or right before you deliver in terms of the types of movement that you want to do. So what I always recommend for my clients, and, and this is uh, across the board, is that gentle strength training is one of the best things you can do. Two of the best, uh, three of the best things you can do Gentle strength training, and I'll go over some specific moves in a little bit. Prenatal yoga, uh, in which you can either attend a prenatal yoga class or follow prenatal yoga videos on YouTube to increase mobility, to increase range of motion, to, to improve flexibility, and also to lower stress. Uh, is, that's so critical during this time. And the strength training exercises are important to maintain good posture, to prevent pain, and then cardiovascular exercise. So walking. Uh, some people do run in their third trimester, and I think that that is a completely personal thing. It depends on the body. I will not be doing that. And that is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in terms of cardio, I find during the third trimester, I notice with people I work with that their heart rate gets up much faster, so yeah. climbing stairs. And walking will will create sort of a winded sensation, and that is a-okay. And another thing I want to stress, too, is that exercise during the third trimester is will increase energy even when there are fatigue levels in store. But I do say be extremely intuitive in the sense that if there is a day that one is feeling rather drained, maybe it, maybe it is best to... Maybe it is best to rest that day. And then maybe if it's another day where it's just a little bit of fatigue, maybe it, maybe it's more of a lethargic feeling, then in that scenario, going for a brisk walk or going for, um, uh, or maybe doing some yoga at home it is really, really beneficial. So in terms of some other things we no longer do, so no more horseback riding. Joanna, <laughs> I guess I'll have to so give up my hard for you weekly horseback riding i know schedule where are you going to put your horse well yeah so so no horseback riding and we joke about this but the cool thing is like there are a lot someone of is listening yeah. here who horseback rides. and if that is you sorry shoot us a message and, <laughs> and um, send us a picture of your horse who gets some free time <laughs> 
But, yeah, because we have listeners all over the country, and I'm sure some of you guys own a horse, and how cool. Joanna and I do not. Um, we have apartments. <laughs> so, no, so, essentially, now at this point in time, from a physical activity standpoint, being cautious of anything that you can fall off of. Yeah. So, cycling outdoors... I, and this is also across the board. A lot of doctors will say this too. Just, just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it. Any, any situation in which you might potentially fall, just, just, you just take it out at this point in time. My Climbing improv teammate things. was like, "You are not allowed to climb chairs during improv sets anymore." And I was like, "Oh, fine." <laughs> yeah. If you want to give everyone an anxiety attack, yeah. Watch a pregnant lady get on a chair. <laughs> exactly. So the same thing goes for. Stepping on stools and chairs to put things away or get things down from high shelves, cabinets. Just take all of that out. Heavy lifting just nicks that completely. And the heavy lifting is to... Well, you don't want to press anything on top of your stomach, first of all. And then also just being very cognizant of your back at mm-hmm. this point in time. The back is in a different place now. Your entire spine is... Is that a is it's at a different time it's at a different stage of its mm-hmm. spinal journey. If you think about it, you have you have weight being held in the front of your body. It is going to tilt your spine. It is going to tilt your pelvis in different ways. So as a result, lower back pain is so common, very common. So now I'm going to talk about some of the moves, some of the moves that you can do. So getting the heart rate up. Oh, another thing, though. If you're a pretty coordinated person, a stationary bike is actually okay. Yeah, like indoor bike an indoor, that's attached yeah. to a thing. Exactly, yeah. Something that... Just be careful when you're getting on and off. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're careful getting... Oh, there's also the recumbent bike, too. Oh, yeah. So that's the one where you're, you're not up like, so high. Yeah, yeah. And that one you are seated comfortably in a chair with back support. Hmm. So I do see a lot of pregnant women doing that at my gym. Mm-hmm. So you have tons of cardio options. Walking is really the best thing. And I also think that from a stress reduction level, um, having uh, in the third trimester, seeing if you could just lower your cortisol levels as much as possible so that there are no stress hormones circulating throughout your body and so your baby doesn't pick up on those things. So, oh, Kegels. Can we talk about Kegels? Let's talk about Kegels. Let's talk about Kegels. Okay. What is a Kegel? A Kegel is your pelvic floor muscle. When you squeeze it, that's a Kegel. Some people say Kegel. I say Kegel. I do too. Kegel rhymes with bagel. (laughs) (laughs) So Joanna and I, we can do them right now. So if if you're just sitting or if you're standing or if you're um, wherever you are listening to this, if you just pretend like you have to pee and then squeeze in your pretend pee and now squeeze it again. You're doing Kegels slash Kegels. Uh, I'm just going to say Kegel because that's how I've always said them. Yeah. So that's a Kegel. That is your pelvic floor, vagina muscles. It's so critical, so critical. I cannot stress how critical it is to work your Kegel muscle during your third trimester. It is going to lead to two things, uh, an easier delivery if you deliver vaginally. And then it's also going to lead to a quicker recovery of your entire pelvic floor post-delivery. This is such a big thing that there is a physical therapy certification now, and it's just called pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. where physical therapists are trained to 
and, and so it's all the exercises, and it's essentially like Kegel PT, which is awesome that mm-hmm. that exists. But that's just how big it is. I, I guess yeah. I'm just using that as like scale. Like that, that's how important it is. There is a certification <laughs> out there for it. So here's what I recommend for the Kegels. If you are able to do Kegels by sitting on a big stability ball, and those are the balls that you see at gyms. They look like big bouncy balls that you can sit on. Um, if you sit on one, you're going to have to force the Kegel to happen. It, it will happen on its own. To stabilize you mm-hmm. as you're, like, rolling around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To stabilize you as you are trying to keep your balance on that ball. And I know I just said don't do anything that you might fall off. You might fall. You should be fine. Your feet are still yeah. on the ground. Your feet are so. still on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're not on a horse. Uh, so, <laughs> and so. you said that I can, I can either just sit on the ball or that I can sit on there while I do, like, my yes. upper body exercises, so, right? So the cool thing is... You can kill two birds with one stone. You can maintain holding a Kegel while you sit on the stability ball, and you can totally do this maybe at your desk if you are if mm. you are working at a computer. Swap out your ball for a stability ball so that your core is always engaged. Or if you are in your home or if you are in your gym, grab your dumbbells, nothing too heavy, and you can actually sit on the ball and you can do your bicep curls, you can do your shoulder presses, you can do some tricep extensions above your head, you can do lateral shoulder raises. There are so you so you can do all the upper body exercises. Another thing too, talking about strength moves, what moves to, to do, what moves not to do. Generally, at this point in time, this is when I start to have people do wall sits or squats where your back is supported by the stability ball against the wall, and you can squat up and down, or you can just sit with your back against the wall and just bend your knees to a ninety degree angle and just do that to strengthen your thighs. Because your ligaments and your groin area, your pelvic area, they are getting stretched big time. And oftentimes there is some pain associated with it. So much pain that you may even find hip flexor stretches uncomfortable because that whole area in the crotch essentially is already super stretched. So squats, but but wall sits. And also this is when I like to transition people, if you are doing push-ups, do them on the wall or on a bench because you just have more mass now. Yeah. Your stomach, you don't want to be on your stomach. Right. As we were saying, if I do push-ups regular style now, my stomach's going to hit before exactly. I get to my full yeah. yeah. push-up. Your stomach will be the first thing to touch the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your arms will barely bend. You'll be like, oh, I'm not working. What am I holding here? So, and then for the planks, uh, it's still great to do planks. I just have people drop to their knees now. And so, uh, so that way you have just more space and still do some Kegels while you're planking. You can still do glute bridges. Although now, at this point in time, obviously no need to do, like, crunches or any type of bicycle crunch. It's just, and that's not even anatomically. There's no room. <laughs> yeah, that's not even anatomically possible at this time. So another thing that I do think is very important to talk about is that when you do lie down on your back, to protect your lower back, just keep your knees bent. Like, if you are doing a glute bridge in which you have to bend your knees anyways, um, keep your knees bent because that protects your lower back. And if you have pain, foam rolling is still wonderful. Cat-cow stretches are wonderful. Stretches in general are still wonderful. But like I said, the, the one to be cognizant of is just that hip flexor area if you are feeling that big stretch sensation. Um, and then talking about the two weeks leading up to delivery. So this is generally when people wonder... What do I do? Like, is this when I t- is this like a half a, a marathon in which I, I taper? taper. <laughs> it's totally based on the individual. Doctors, uh, 
from a pre and postnatal certification standpoint, it is totally safe to continue moving and walking. It's encouraged to do so. Okay. That being said, I also believe in intuition and really honoring and nurturing what you feel your body needs. And if there is a day in which the fatigue is high, you just don't have it. You, and yeah, and that's so okay, you know. Or maybe there's a day where you're just like, oh my god, this is happening. I just need to walk around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were also talking about walking, like the, the duration of walking. So you went for half an hour mm-hmm. the other day, and you felt pretty tired by the end of yeah. it. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that is about right. You said that I was like, you are perfectly on track. That's exactly what you should be should be feeling at the end of a workout. Not totally drained, but a nice, pleasant tiredness is what I would say. So in the couple of weeks leading up to your delivery, it is still completely safe to continue doing everything that I just said. That being said, I like to think of using your intuition and listening to your body. Oh, and then the most important thing, and the reason why I didn't mention, this is not the most important thing. The reason why I didn't mention this is because you and I do not have access to pools. Right. A lot of you do. Yay. <laughs> we will come and visit you. Um, anything in the water is great. Totally. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Water aerobics. Swimming is fine. Yeah. Cool. So that's what you do. One of the things I've been trying to manage is um, my stress about my changing ability to exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to, like, be okay with the fact that, like, I can't do the stuff that I could do seven months ago. And that makes sense. My body is doing a whole other thing. And, like, this is an okay time to, like, not walk as far, yeah. stop running. It's okay to, you know, do planks on my knees. Like, those are things that not only are okay, but are actually a good idea. Um, and adjusting my expectations for my own physical activity and my own endurance levels. Um, adjusting my own expectations is really important, and it's in some ways, like, the slowest thing to happen. Yeah. Um because, you know, my brain still feels like the same me. But my body is a different body. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing what... Just the opportunities of things that we can work through. Yeah. Right? You know? How this affects our identity. Totally. Um, if you've been used to being able to move a certain way, you know, and you having danced, and have always you've always had uh, it, these workouts as a part of your daily routine, and now there are just physical changes that mm-hmm. are happening. And... Yeah, and I think that that's so great to be aware of it. Just to be aware of it. And, and to also yeah. know that it's it's a it, it's a process. My friend Emily was saying something about how like there's now sort of this idealized pregnant active pregnant woman who's like, you know, has all her like cute maternity workout clothes and like works out all the time even though she's like super pregnant. And like if that's you, great, but if that's not you, that's also great and it's fine. Like um you know, maintaining movement in your life is good for you and good for the outcomes with your pregnancy, but it doesn't have to look the way it looks in, like, pregnant exercise magazine. Yeah, yeah. It's going to look how it looks for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the parallel with overall health and wellness is that it looks different on every body Mm -hmm. and everybody. It's the same thing for, for a healthy pregnancy. It looks different. For every single human. Totally. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to mention is classes because mm-hmm. the, the third trimester is often when doctors suggest that you take a birthing class if you're going to take one and a breastfeeding class if you're planning on breastfeeding. Um, 
often your doctor will have a suggestion of where to do that. Um, I know that our pediatrician's office offers those classes. We're taking them through the hospital where we're planning to deliver, which um, will also give us a chance to like get a little familiar with the hospital, which is kind of nice. We'll be able to like tour around. Um, but um, they suggest that you take them in the third trimester so you don't forget by the time you're actually delivering, but not so late where if the baby comes early, you want to finish the classes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so look for those. Um, they, they can be kind of expensive, but I think there are resources for free or inexpensive birthing classes. So I'm going to see if I can try to find some and put them in the show notes. Um, because that seems like a thing that should be available to everybody, doesn't it? Definitely. Um, but I haven't taken mine yet, so hope the baby waits until <laughs> we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about um, having to do with, uh, you know, birth and delivery and all the different ways that can happen. We didn't talk about C-sections at all, and a huge number of people who have babies have them through C-sections. Um Partly that's because I haven't done it yet, so I can't talk about it yet. Um, but also because it's sort of its own uh, beast. So I'm sure we will talk about those things uh, at a later date when I uh, feel more qualified to talk about them. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, um, any closing third trimester thoughts, Daphne? Mm, yeah. For anyone who's in there, third trimester a huge congratulations (laughs) yeah what a process Uh, yeah well I'm very excited for you and for your third trimester as we inch closer and closer and closer to your due date that's that's what's present for me right now Mm -hmm. yeah I'm just thinking about your journey ahead for these next 11 weeks weird me too (laughs) (laughs) and all these amazing things you're going to experience yeah and I think also like for my friends who I watched go through pregnancy Third trimester can be hard um, because, like, things get harder. You get bigger, you get more tired, all that stuff. It can be frustrating. Um, Waiting for your baby to come can be frustrating if it takes a long time. Um, If things go wrong, it can be really scary. Um, So just uh, trying to send out some support for third trimester people who are listening um, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. We're going to stay present and flexible. And uh, if we need to do nice things for ourselves to make ourselves feel better, that's totally fine. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Daphne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna shaw Lamb. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes, help subscribing, and to join us on Patreon, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.